I know about speaking the last guy before supper, everybody's hungry. <clears throat> and uh, as preachers tend to do from time to time, we go over time. So I'm going to continue to refer to my trusty, all-encompassing world contact device here to try to make sure that you get supper on time. I am, I am beyond humbled. Uh, to share some thoughts with you this afternoon. Um, one of my absolute heroes in faith, if I were to list the, the I don't know, the top three or top four heroes of life in faith, uh, Dan Weeb would be among them. And uh, I could, if I could choose to be on a weekly basis listening to him exhort Christians in how to be more like Jesus, I would do that. I almost feel like just walking by him, you get wiser. And uh, I'm grateful to God that he gave him that gift. And uh, you all have had, like me, the pleasure of benefiting from that. I don't have that level of wisdom have that length of life experience. I know that when we come together and we hear a lesson from the Word of God, from uh, prepared by the mind and experience of a man, that there's really only two ways that those lessons become effective or productive. And one of those is that it um, calms and soothes you into feeling like you're doing things well, and we need that from time to time. And one of those ways is, as the proverb writer would say, as iron sharpens iron, as things get a little bit sharp, that, we, that we're challenged and dad worded in, in, in his prayer even, that we are grateful for being, for being loved and that we're also challenged. It, when we come together at a lectureship like this, we're, 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 not, we're, not, we're not coming together to uh, have a, one of those come-to-Jesus meetings, one of those, here's the beauty of the cross, and now I need, I need for those of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus, the, the, here's your opportunity today to do that, because all of you already have that. The purpose behind us, us taking this weekend and getting together is so that we can prepare one another, listening to the wisdom and perspective of men who have prepared thoughts to share with you, that we can prepare one another to go out there and make a difference. So this is not a, this is not a, hey, come on down the aisle at the end of this thing here. We've got water, let's baptize. I mean, if somebody needs to do that, we'll get that done. But this is much more about me challenging you. That the theme of the weekend is, is, is salt and light and how we can be those things. The first thing that came to my mind that was new about this topic when I sat down was recollecting a meal that I 
was served once that was prepared by my son and I think that at some point in the preparation process the top came off of the salt shaker because when I took the first forkful of food and put it in my mouth I'm sure that my face shriveled and that it immediately whatever I ingested I can't even tell you what it was that sucked all the moisture out of my body I couldn't eat it when when I got Zeke for those of you who don't know who Zeke is Zeke is my lap dog there's just this little bitty thing that I take with me from place to place uh, actually he's 131 pounds he's about here I he thinks he's a lap dog but when I when I got Zeke one of the things that we realized that he that was he didn't like toys he doesn't like them he doesn't, doesn't want to chase a ball could care less uh, he likes to chase people um, he, he likes to run around follow a kid around but what he absolutely goes nuts for is if when I was was sitting in the living room and the, the Sun was reflecting off my cell phone I made a light on the ceiling and he just was one of these he, that's one of his favorite things ever so my best friend Charlie got me an, an industrial laser pointer and this thing is so powerful that when we were in Chicago this past year we were standing on the on our our balcony and we were able to shine this light three blocks away and it was on the side of a skyscraper how cool is that so now I can make Zeke run miles I just I don't have to get off my chair I can just run I just run that around there's this big warning label on the side of that laser pointer that says what don't shine it at somebody's eyes a laser is one of the most brilliant forms of light that we have but if I shone that thing in your eyes it would damage you I can't take I can't take a mouthful of food into my into my mouth into my existence of who I am and if that's 98% salt I can't handle it there are there's always a, a defining line right there's we want to make a difference in the world at the same time I want to call you to understand that you can't be you can't be 98% salt you have to add your bits of salt gently we have to we make a difference in our world moderately at times in, 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 in beautiful loving gentle ways we live in a dark and scary place more people are openly atheist today than have ever been at any point in time in history in fact and, and even beyond that the people that propose Christianity as a as a part of their life sometimes they just come across as just flat kooky unapproachable dog maybe and I've, I've come to this conclusion having spent 46 years walking around this earth and and spending a great deal of that time since I can remember being a part of you being a part of the church and trying to figure out how we interact with the world in a way that makes a difference I've come to understand this that the world doesn't need more 
Jesus. We've got Christian athletes fellowships. We've got Christian bike gangs. We've got Christian, you name it. We've put, we've put Jesus as a label on just about any kind of thing that the world has to offer. The world doesn't need more Jesus. The world needs is to see people who are more like Jesus. One of my very favorite things on the planet is my mother's carrot cake. You've heard me say it. If you're from here, you may have heard me say it even if you're not from here. I don't know. And I've, and I've used the illustration before that if mother was preparing her that carrot cake, and man, I get excited when I know it's coming. But if mother was preparing that carrot cake and she's got the mixing bowl and she's on the and she's on the uh, on the countertop and getting that thing prepared, and if the cat, which doesn't exist in our house by the way, there is no cat, but if the cat was up there watching what's going on, and all of a sudden did one of you know the worst sound in the world is an animal preparing to barf, right? You hear that heaving noise, and it just, I mean, it doesn't matter how deep asleep you are. When you hear that noise, you're up, right? And if the cat that was on the side of the countertop started to make that noise and then just hurled right into the mixing bowl of all that beautiful carrot cake stuff, what's the answer? First of all, look at all the beautiful good stuff. First, I might shoot the cat. I might, I might shoot the cat there. Look at all these beautiful, tasty ingredients that are in here. There is so much goodness in this bowl. Maybe, maybe if I just take more of that goodness and add it to it, it'll fix the problem. Maybe? Not if you knew that that's what happened. It, doesn't, it wouldn't matter how much high-quality sugar ingredients, how many, how many fresh pecans from the glorious state of Texas that you put in that bowl. What the bowl needs is to be emptied out and start over. Adding more goodness to it, adding more Jesus to our world is not the answer when it's so inundated with what's gross. What's, what, what is required is you and I emptying ourselves Eliminating the things in us that are counterproductive to spiritual growth and making a difference. Jesus, it amazes me that the difference in him, how he spoke to people out there versus people in here throughout Scripture. Jesus' tone of voice, the, the mechanism that he used when he talked to people who didn't have a relationship with his father was the most gracious, graceful, loving, tender. I mean, is there a more tender moment in Scripture than picking that woman up off the ground, protecting her and saying, you know what? You guys who are without sin, you cast the first stone. And turning to her and knowing the grossness of her life, he said to her, neither do I condemn you. You go off. But he said, 
sin anymore. Be better. That was his challenge to her. When he, when he was, if Jesus was here, I think, I feel like if Jesus was here, he'd tell you and me, you guys better shape up. You guys better make a, a, a better difference in the world. After, after mentioning salt and light in Matthew chapter 5 there, Jesus goes on to saying, here's what the Pharisees are like. And he said to the people that were listening, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, chapter 7, uh, chapter, Matthew chapter 7, about verse 20, 19, 20, down there. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not it's, it's a foregone conclusion. It has to surpass it. And I am afraid, I am afraid for our churches and for our Christians that rather than heeding those words of Jesus, we have become the very thing he told us to be better than. As Dad mentioned, I, I preached for several years, Gravelberg, Del Rio, Great Falls, early. Um, and one of the beautiful things about being with the church in Del Rio, Texas, was the number of people that were coming and giving their life to Jesus. We were, in, in, in that time, we, uh, we were seeing 30, 40, 50 baptisms a year in Del Rio. Uh, for, a, for a congregation, maybe twice the size of Carmen's, about twice the size of this. 30, 40 baptisms a year it was marvelous. All these baby Christians running around, right? Problem with having lots of babies is there's lots of messes. People didn't understand stuff. We we're having to always teach people and reach and, and go back to the scripture and they were learning stuff. And it was this, it was this beautiful problem to have about continuing to, to bring these people into a relationship with Christ and then help them grow. I was I was in a teaching singing on a on a Wednesday. They asked once a month we had a new song learning and that sort of thing. And so I would teach singing on this particular one Wednesday every every and I will never as long as I live forget that we were learning a song that came from one of the universities that was down there at the time and it was a fun song that the kids the young people liked to sing and it had this it had this kind of a unique clapping rhythm that went with it and I was saying well let's learn the song and then if you know if when you sing it at other places maybe I'll show you what this clapping rhythm is like and we can uh, we can go on from there and, uh, and a lady stood up, stand up, but she spoke out and said, uh, Larry, please show me where in the scriptures that it says it's okay for us to clap here while we sing. And I remember the blood just draining from my face. And even when there was a meeting about it with elders later on that week, the, I remember the comment being made, did you see the man just turned absolutely white? Yes, I did. You know why I turned white? Not because I was embarrassed about the idea of the discussion going on of whether a song should have clapping or not clapping, but we've got all these beautiful baby Christians in here, and that's the thing you want to fight about? You want to you interrupt some praise and worship to argue about whether or not there should be singing or clapping? I was sick to my stomach. I've been in, I've been in meetings. I've been in small churches where 
the church, the, the, the entire worship service is geared around what everybody else in worship is doing that's wrong. Or biblical, unbiblical. And, I, and it just frustrates me to no end. Because I feel like we're missing the point. This whole passage of scripture that Jesus gets to is about being salt and light. It's about making a difference in the world. And how do we make a difference in the world if we're always telling people what they're doing wrong? Now, I'm, well, I'm, for, I'm all for guidance, making sure that things are done biblically. That is beyond important to me. I love what Peter says when he says, always be prepared to give an answer to those that ask you for a reason for the hope that you have, right? Always be prepared. And I've heard many a sermon on, always be prepared. You've got to know. You've got to know how to say it. And you can tell people and put them in their place, right? And they miss the very next phrase, what Peter says. Can you remember? You know what it is? Do so with gentleness and respect. He says, Peter, you've got to have an answer. You've got to have an answer. But do this in such a way that it makes a difference. That's what being salt and light is. Being salt isn't, isn't pouring three cups of salt on my two muffins. It's enough salt in there so that it, it makes the flavor profile exactly what it's supposed to be. Christmas before last, I, I think looking back on it, I think that I'm, I was struggling with some, even almost some depressive kind of thoughts, I think, in my own self trying to figure out how to get life handled in a way that's productive and right and moving forward and all of those things and my son just moved that back down to Texas and I was I was struggling with all of that and I think I was feeling pretty sorry for myself and I got connected here in Carmen to a group called the buy nothing project and in the buy nothing project the whole premise of the thing is and I'll try to well through it so you get the idea is is that we only make things available to one another that we're willing to give away. Can't exchange, can't, can't trade it for something, can't buy it, can't, it, it's just, it, only thing that's available here is if you're going to give it away. And I thought, what a neat idea. Somehow I got connected to it by somebody else in this, in this community. And so I decided that since mom and dad were going to be gone off with Donna and their family for, for Christmas and, and Caden was already gone back to Texas, I was here by myself. I said, well, I, I thought what I'll do is I'll find something that I'm good at and I'll go do that. So just on, as an idea, I put out there in the Buy Nothing Project, I will, I will give away a Christmas serenade. Me and my guitar. I know we're not supposed to talk about guitars. But me and my guitar. I'm going to give away a Christmas serenade. Now, whoever wins it, um, I, I can either come to your house, you can send me to your place of work, or you can send me somewhere else. And so everybody just submit a number between one and a hundred, and I'll pick one number, and whoever that person is, they win, and they get to decide where I'll go and do this Christmas serenade on Christmas Day. So people submitted their numbers, and I chose a lady, and I, I, somebody, a stranger, a complete stranger to me, and her, her response to me was, I would, I would like for you to go to the hospital and sing. Don't come to my house. Don't go to my... I want you to go to the hospital and sing because there's people in there who won't have families. There's people who are, who are away from their families because they're, they have to work. So we'd like you to go there and sing. I said, perfect. No problem. I'm happy to do that. I dug my guitar out and I went over there. And that lady, 
who had asked me to do that, brought her daughter with her, and showed up at the hospital on Christmas Day to, to watch what happened. The lady who runs the Buy Nothing Project, her and her husband came, showed up. And we spent an hour and a half or so walking up and down the hallways singing. That lady who won that day and made that choice, she and I have a, just this amazing friendship today. And on two occasions since then, she has sent me a message or called my phone to ask me something about what would Jesus feel or what does the Bible say about, and you fill in the blank for the rest of the question. I think that that comes from when we're out doing something that makes a difference. People respond. In James chapter 1, James said this exact thing. You want to know what real church is, people? You want to know what real religion is? He didn't offer a list of the order of worship at the, at the beginning of James. He said, religion that is faultless. What a great word. Religion that is faultless is this. To take care of widows and orphans. There wasn't even a mention in there about worship. He said, this is religion. This is, this is how you make a difference. And that's what I want. I want us to do something tangible, something real, something that expresses our faith. We do not impact our community by making sure that my butt and the butts of everybody in my family are in a pew on Sunday morning. We make a difference in our community by being more like Jesus in the way that we interact with people. That we, that we pay attention to the needs of people and we make them feel like their needs matter. That somebody cares about whether their day was good or bad. Those are the kind of people that make a difference. That is what being salt or being light is. I'm going to give you one, one more verse, and then that's... Because I, I know it's the challenge to remember things that come from, from being together. You've been inundated with information and, and some crazy bald guy tirading from the front. You, you, it's tough to remember it all. The, the verse that has been stuck in the very core of my soul for probably six months now is in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. And that verse comes after a whole bunch of instruction from the prophet Micah about God being really, really mad at his people. You guys need to smarten up. Whole message. Most of the prophets are kind of like that. And I love the tone of this verse because it is, if I were, if you're, I think if I, you can point to two or three verses in the Bible and you say, that is like an all-encompassing message. This is one of them. After all of this little tirade about, hey, we need to get better at being salt and light. We need to get better at being, making a positive difference in our community. Micah says, what does God require of you, O man? What does he want from you? He says these things. Remember? Do right things. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Period. 
And I think the reason that that's been stuck in the core of who I am for the, the last several months is because of how universally applicable that truth is. None of us are in the same place in life. Some of us are struggling tremendously with various aspects of life. Some of you are having a wonderful time of life. Some of you are having a horrible time right now. It's so hard, it's overwhelming, you feel like you can't even get a breath. What I love about that passage is it universally applies to all of you at the same time. It doesn't matter what's happening. What does God want from you, eh? Do some right stuff. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. You're having a wonderful time. Things are easy. You just got a new job. Somehow you just, you won the lottery. I don't know. Things are beautiful. What does God want from you? Do right stuff. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. It pains me sometimes when, when Christians, we, we, we love the fact of the idea of grace when it comes to us and we like the idea of justice when it comes to everybody else. I want, I want you to experience the kind of justice in your life that brings you to an understanding of what you've done is wrong. But when I've done something or when my weakness comes to the forefront of my mind, I sure am glad for grace. When I read Micah chapter 6, it pounds into my consciousness that I need to love that kind of mercy for you too. And you need to love it for me. What thing can you do today? I'll give you two or three days. What, thing, what can you do in the next 72 hours that makes the community around you a more positive, beautiful, giving, generous, loving, tender, holy, righteous place? What can you do? You can do something. That is my challenge to you. Because then you will be salt and you will be light. And God will be pleased.